0: What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan.
1: And I'm Taylor.
0: And Taylor, we didn't even make it a full week's worth of episodes before my proclamation from last episode that the Sabres are never losing again, unfortunately, ended up being incorrect. The Sabres are now 2-1 and in the preseason after falling to the Columbus Blue Jackets. <sighs> It's rough, but you know what? There's still a chance they can go undefeated in the regular season.
1: That's true. Uh, yeah. This they they did play back to back nights, mm-hmm. which is one thing. They won on Monday against Philadelphia. The other thing is they played a crazy young lineup. I mean, I get it's the preseason, but the Monday's lineup was very veteran heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tuesday's was not in Columbus, except for I mean they put Eric Comrie in that. Or wasn't
0: it two? Wait, was it Tuesday and Wednesday? Right. Today's Thursday, isn't it? Oh, that's right. It was yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday and Thursday. Wednesday. That's right. Yes. Or Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday. We're Jesus. doing
1: later than usual, so I'm kind of confused. But yeah. Happy
0: Friday episode, everybody.
1: Yeah. Wednesday in Columbus, they played Biro, Bjork, Setterquest, Jobst. Is that how you say that? Jobst. 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 Kizikov, Job. Kozak, Krebs, Coolidge, Olsson, Paterka, Quinn, Rosen, and Wiseback. So you're looking at NHL guys. Like Krebs and Quinn are definitely NHL guys this year, but they're also, you know, both extremely young. I don't even. I yeah. Think Krebs Both
0: played play. in Rochester for, like,
1: good amount of you know, like... Olofsson is really the only veteran here besides Bjork, who's also an AHL guy in some way. And mm-hmm. then on defense, the only the only NHL veteran, quote-unquote, is Jacob Bryson, who probably has wow. roughly 100 games played in his career, maybe wow. a little bit more than that. And then the second most would be Fitzgerald. And then Laxinen is a nice prospect. And then three definite AHL guys in Chase Prisky, Peter Tishky.
0: And <laughs> Chisky and Tisky.
1: Kale a Clegg. buddy cop
0: coming to you.
1: Chisky <laughs> Prisky. Oh, that's Prisky and Tishy. <laughs> and Kale Clegg, mm. unbelievable Canadian name. Comrie and that not, not a great game from him, but also like, what do you do with that? No,
0: it's- there's yeah. It, I mean these guys are just getting back into game shape now. I will say I did watch Tuesday's game, the the win, and there was a lot to like there. I thought Matt Savoy looked. Pretty damn good for again just getting adjusted to playing at the NHL level. Uh, I, again, like I think the, the big thing with him that I think is really going to allow you know his game to translate to the NHL level in spite of his size is the fact that he just plays with such a tenacity. And I, I said this after we had saw him at the uh, at, at the prospects challenge, but. I think he is a guy that will end up being an elite four-checker in this league because of his speed. And again, like it, it's almost used in a way to compensate again for the, the height deficiencies that he has, we'll call it. But I thought that that was really on display on Tuesday, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him dominate this year. I know he's going back to juniors and everything. But again, just rounding out his game a little bit more, getting stronger. But from what we've seen so far early on, the early impressions I'm I'm really liking. I also thought Malcolm Subban played great on Wednesday. The Sabres really impressed me at one point because they ended up killing off a, a pretty long five on three. And Subban was just making big save after big save. And I am very happy with the fact that he is going to be... In Rochester this year, in tandem with UPL, most likely, I should say. Obviously, we don't know anything definitively yet, but that either way, when UPL eventually does come up, that you're going to have that steady presence down in Rochester. I mean, Subban wasn't great in the NHL last year, but this is a clear upgrade as your organizational number four compared to like Aaron Dell, uh, our boy, RIP, <laughs> Michael Dell, CEO. Um, but yeah, so I, I think and either way too, like again, he wasn't particularly great in the NHL last year and he really hasn't been throughout his career other than some, some very minor flashes. But again, just having that also be a guy that like, we'll see what ends up happening with Craig Anderson for how long he can stay healthy. UPL has also had his fair share of injury concerns. So I, I'm a big fan that they were able to keep Subban in the organization and beyond that he is just an exquisite vibes guy. So you really can't ask for much more than that.
1: That's true, yeah. He's someone that you really want around the young guys uh, in Rochester this year, and someone to maybe even help mentor uh, UPL through uh, whatever troubles he might have, or you know, just the doldrums of having to take a bus from Utica to Syracuse mm-hmm. to, I don't think there's a team in Schenectady, but probably a <laughs> through Schenectady at some point. That's uh... probably not pleasant so the schenectady
0: screaming eagles
1: yeah we love schenectady here actually but (laughs) it is hard to just you know you're taking a bus everywhere you're not you're not flying as much you're not getting like the good treatment you get in the nhl and he's had a taste of the nhl so he knows what the good life's like eating well after games Mm -hmm. different things like that and also he they rochester hasn't done a ton of winning in recent years they've been kind of a fringe playoff team especially last year is a good example and UPL also hasn't put up tremendous numbers and hasn't had a lot of defensive support. So hopefully that's different in every way this year, but if there are problems, it's nice to have a backup that's a, seems like, seemingly a good guy you can rely upon. And I think it says a lot about Subban's character that the Sabres were so eager to keep him after he basically just didn't play like... He played like two games and immediately was out for the season. Mm-hmm. So it's good, good, good vibes, guy. It's good to have vibes, guys like him.
0: Absolutely. So... We're now, as we're recording this, we're two weeks out from the season opener and we have some really exciting stuff coming up over the next couple of weeks as we're just again continuing to preview the upcoming season, what we're really looking out for. We're going to have our predictions episodes coming up that we've done the past three years where we give our five, each of us give five Sabres predictions and then five NHL league wide predictions. By
1: each of us, he's including Ziggy.
0: Ziggy is, of course, as well. So there will be uh, a whole lot of... Of dog talk in there too yeah uh but with that being said we thought for today's episode again just as guys are starting to really kind of get back into the swing of things we're really starting to get uh, a little bit of the, see through the cracks a little bit of what maybe some line combinations might look like what guys are paired up with each other we thought it would be cool to just kind of shoot the shit today and talk about for this upcoming season who are some combine, what are some combinations that we'd like to see uh mainly that could just be between having you know a couple of like two different forwards who we like to play to, play together or if there's a, so much as a line which i think we're going to talk about a line that we both would like to see to get the ball rolling on this but um whether it's forwards paired up with each other whether it's defensemen paired up with each other uh you know even and that extends into rochester as well and so one of the the, the groupings that we would like to see that we had to think i i think we alluded to this if not last episode the episode prior but it is a uh, a very high risk but very high reward line that maybe in like two years when these guys are all a little bit farther along it could end up being a a really really damn good middle six line, but that is Asplund on left wing, Peyton Krebs at center, Jack Quinn Quinn at right wing. What are your thoughts on that combination, Taylor? Why not now? I agree right now. I I think it's worth trying now. I'm just saying that when they all come into their own a little bit more, that could end up being a very, very dangerous line in a couple years. Because there's still some question marks there, too. I think that they should try it right now out of the gate. We know what Asplund is on the defensive end of things, but I think that there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered on where both Krebs and Quinn are at at this stage of the game.
1: That's true. I mean, Quinn hasn't had much of a chance in the NHL to prove himself, but if he comes in this year and is capable of at least just putting the puck in the net, if nothing else... That makes him kind of a, a perfect guy to play with Asplund, uh, seemingly. And then Krebs, Krebs showed last year in Rochester that him and Quinn do have good chemistry, and he's a good passer. Quinn's a good scorer, seemingly. That's huge. Neither of them seem right now particularly strong in their own zone, and that's where Asplund comes in. And Asplund's obviously not just a defensive guy. He's not a huge goal scorer or anything, but he scored enough last year to be impressed, especially at even strength. And he's good at... One of the most important parts of playing defense, not playing defense, which is mm-hmm. meaning getting the puck out of the zone, starting the breakout, getting the puck, you know, getting the puck moving into the other zone. And he's not someone that you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's a a bad offensive player, but he's not someone you're like, man, this guy's just gonna pick it up and go, and you better watch out, pal. Like, right? It's not really like that, but he's a very valuable player that complements other players well, and I think it could be two players like those two young fellas. And honestly, Asplund's kind of young, too, still. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're 24, I think, at this point now? 25, maybe?
0: Yeah, in that range. He I'll double-check on 2016
1: that. draft pick, so 24 or 25. Yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely. All right, here, what do we got here for Asplund's age? He is 24 right now. So, yeah, I, I think that does make a lot of sense, where it's kind of like you had alluded to there. You know, you have the, the three main roles, where you have your two-way guy, you have your facilitator, and you have your finisher with the three of them. And I think... I, I, it goes without saying, like, you know, we've been talking a lot about the fact of, like, Cage needs to continue the strong play from last year. We need to see Dylan Cousins really take a step in terms of his finishing ability. You know, is Jeff Skinner going to be able to continue the resurgence post-Ralph Kruger era that we saw last year? But, goddamn, are there two guys on this team right now whose development are as critical to both the short-term and long-term success of this team as... Krebs and Quinn given what their potential is and given their skill level I mean at this point we're really just kind of you know Krebs last year he was back and forth like we said with the AHL that was the most he had played at the NHL level in his career to date but they still you know just to get him some extra experience sent him to Rochester for the playoffs and you know Krebs we know what his strengths are as you had mentioned his his facilitating and his playmaking ability he is an excellent dynamite skater as well But we didn't really fully see him put it all together in a way that, again, is like translating to, you know, significant NHL success. Now, as far as what, you know, his ceiling might be, I think that remains to be seen. But Krebs absolutely, I feel like, could be a guy that, you know, does he turn into a, we'll call it like a 20-30-50 middle six center I mean, I think that's, uh, that would be a great development for him. And I think that he, just with his skill level, has the upside to even exceed that when he kind of is, you know, at, at the point where he's at his peak in his career. Quinn, I mean, it, the sky's the limit with him. With just his general finishing ability, his ability to adapt to the competition that he has been play, that he plays against throughout his career, we saw it when he was with Ottawa in the OHL, we, we saw it in Rochester last year. You know, he has this ability to just, you know, it it takes time for any player to adapt. But with him, it's just like something clicks and and then just the wheels start going. And again, you put him with a guy who's like a pure facilitator like Krebs or even, you know, with anybody else for that matter, if you get him somebody who can reliably get him the puck and maybe make up for some of the defensive deficiencies we may see with him in the early stages of his career you know, that's a guy just, again, with his shooting talent and his offensive prowess that could end up being a 30 to 35 plus goal scorer year over year. And so, again, I feel like, you know, a lot of the eyes are on some of like the the bigger names on the team. And that's obviously not to say that Quinn and Krebs aren't some of the the bigger names on the team or have the potential to be that. But I feel like in terms of what people are, like the main storylines going into this year, it's Tage. It's Daleen and power, it's the goalies. And with with Quinn and Krebs, when we're talking about when this team is ready to compete in that timeline, I I really think it kind of coincides with when those two guys are are ready to start producing at a consistent level, which again leads me to believe that this year is gonna be about, you know, getting your feet wet and getting your feet underneath you and Again, as we've been saying, then next year is the year where it's like, pedal to the metal, let's do this thing.
1: I I would say so. I guess it's basically the overall organizational philosophy follows both of those guys. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I think, in general, what you're looking for with the guys who... I mean, who are the young guys that you think could theoretically get better that are going to be on the team this year? It's Quinn, Krebs, Cousins... Power, Power. Um, still Dalene to some extent. Dalene to
0: an extent. I mean, I think somebody else too. Like Bryson is absolutely a guy that I think can yeah. because of the fact that he's going to be playing with Labushkin to start the year.
1: And Samuelson. Also. And oh, of course, but Samuelson yeah. too. I so mean, so with all of those guys, if all of those guys middle
0: stat too. That's not even to say. Also, like, I forgot about <laughs> There's so many. It's, yeah. it's it's crazy. If
1: all of those guys were to like, not all of them, I guess, but if seventy percent of those guys are make to make the leap that we want them to make. The Sabres would be way more interesting. Not even in the long term. Like next season they could yeah. be interesting. If if and that potential's there. It's not like I'm saying, like, what if Erasmus Asplund scores forty goals? It's more right. like what if Cousins scores twenty-five and Middlestad scores twenty and power it, it, power plays. Has like a, a first darlene level,
0: up level rookie year. Yeah, even like
1: Yeah, and what if Darlene takes another jump like he did last year and all all of a sudden you have all those things, and that's before you even mention that, like You'd be getting a nice little cameo at the end of the year from Savoy and maybe Coolidge, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe some other even guys. Devin Levi too. Who knows? Yeah.
0: yeah, after he finishes up his his year, I, I I totally agree, and I think what you're saying there directly would correlate with
1: them, as we had talked about last episode,
0: hitting that forty win number.
1: Yeah, like if you are saying that, who knows what the actual number is, but it, there's like fifty percent of these guys should work out, or like fifty percent's the average. And we're not going to get a hundred. You're very, very unlikely to get that. Mm-hmm. It's like what Tampa Bay has gotten. And if you just got like fifty, I think if you get fifty percent of, it, you get fifty percent of the potential that's there mm-hmm. with your prospects right now. The Sabers uh, are in a great spot if they get the average amount of potential that's out of the prospects. I think what Sabers fans are so scarred by is how wrong last time went. And we've said we've had a lot of people explain that are very smart why. This, this team is better but I think it's also worth saying last time around the 2013 through15 prospect pool we had it's worth saying that that was also a little bit of bad luck mm-hmm. it's not just selling uh what, what do people say rushing the rebuild yeah which I think is still kind of stupid ridiculous I don't want I don't want any of these those dudes anyway right it's incredible how many guys just socks were a, a total non-entity at the NHL level one of the better prospects that they had at that time is JT Comfort God. J.T. Confort you know, yeah, he stay a the Cup. That's great. He was like their 11th best forward. If he came to Buffalo, he wouldn't be in the top six. I'm
0: thinking back to, to that time, J.T. Comfer was, I think, pretty easily before the trade considered to be a top five prospect. And if the profile of the guy who they drafted back then was placed into this current prospect pool, does he even make the top 10? No, I don't think so. It's considerably different. The depth, the stature of the of the prospect pool, the yeah. skill level, really. Like that. Like let's think about this. Eichel and Reinhardt were layups because of the fact that you're picking second overall. I know in Reinhardt's year there was some back and forth about who they should end up taking in that slot, but I Reinhardt was the conventional wisdom pick, and it ended up working out, and he turned into an excellent, excellent player. Who's the next best prospect from that era? That and again, not saying in like a revisionist history way of like, okay, you know, right now in terms of like their NHL career, how did it turn? Like,
1: depends who you consider a prospect, because they would have considered Risto a prospect.
0: I think that's a perfect example of what I'm yeah. trying to say. Then well, that's, <laughs> like, that's also what I'm right. I guess, like so, Ger- Gergensons or Grigorenko. I mean, again, like that's prior to like oh, the Gergensons. you know what I'm saying. So it's like yeah, I bring the, it up. the skill level is just not even comparable.
1: Yeah, that's true. I bring it up because I. I remember, I reminded myself of something Rob Volman, hockey analytics guy, who I don't even know what he's up to anymore, but he wrote a bunch of books that I read back then. Uh, Something Rob Volman said back then, after the 2013-14 season, he was like, you know, the Sabres might suck next year, and they were gonna, because they were tanking. He's like, but they also have a lot of young guys, and young guys, especially ones that are drafted high, like the ones they have are the biggest potential to change your roster from within your roster. that They have a bunch of potential energy there. Mm-hmm. And who knows what that could be like. Now, the thing is, who is you referring to? Grigorenko, Gergensen, Zdorov, Ristelainen, and Johan Larsson. When he was a useful player, yep. that was like, what, 2017? Mm-hmm. 2018 by the time he was actually pretty good? That's tough. I mean, that's that's tough for a lot of reasons. That's also luck, though. You, you could have never known that, like, Bailey, Baptiste, and Fashing were going to suck. You yeah. could have... There's no way to know that. Like... It's crazy. And if you look at the Kane trade, even, they traded Joel Armia. Joel Armia had one nice year two years ago. Right. That's it. It's just, that that is a lot of luck on top of the fact that maybe the prospect pool is a little overlaid, overrated, I should say. And that maybe they didn't rush the rebuild. Maybe uh, those trades were fine, and in fact, they should have made another trade Yeah. Uh, for uh, maybe a, a fellow by the name of Taylor Hall. Yeah. Oh, boy, that would Before have been a nice started. one. That, that would have
0: been a nice one. No, it, you're absolutely right. And we will save this conversation for after we get through this segment mm-hmm. as we're talking about speeding up the rebuild because there was a bit of news that, that came out yesterday there was. from Andrew Peters that the Sabres are interested in Jason Robertson, and we absolutely are going to talk to that after we get through this segment here because yeah. that directly correlates into the, the conversation we're talking about and I think a lot of the initial reaction – to that news coming out yesterday was a lot of those sentiments where it's rushing the rebuild, we're making the same mistake over again, and it's like, buddy, this is completely different. Also, I don't, and and I'm glad that Kevin Adams has gone as far to say this. I am glad that we do not have a general manager that has his tail between his legs and is operating out of fear of 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 repeating history or whatever. Yeah. You, you can look back and learn from the mistakes of your predecessors, but you absolutely cannot be operating when trying to to do the damn thing and and get this team to a place where it's a competitor year in and year out where your mentality is is based in honestly fear and not wanting to ruffle feathers or, or mess something up. It's like the best teams are the ones that not only, as we're saying, draft well from within, but know when the time is right to take a shot on somebody. You know, and when the time is right to bring somebody into the organization that's really going to put you over the top. We saw Colorado do it. I mean, that's a big thing with Tampa as well. Like, they're middling, and then they end up bringing in, for like a perfect example is a guy like Ryan McDonough. And then he comes, and that really, I think, helped solidify their blue line, along with the trap trade too, where, again, you, you know when the time is right to take a swing on a guy or to give up on a guy, you know. And I think Tampa is a shining example of that.
1: And they traded for when they were actually getting good, before they were actually, before they made their first cup, Callahan, right? That was a big trip. Yes,
0: yeah, from New York, yep. Again, and, and, and so that's the thing. And when it comes to a guy like Robertson, and again, we'll, we'll get more into it, but I, that's a bona fide, proven, young, I think 23-year-old 40-goal scorer with insane offensive impacts coming from the wing. It's not a center, as we've been saying, but, again, you have the flexibility to make a move like that. And not only one move, but multiple moves. Anyways, give me another combination or pairing of guys who you think would be really interesting to see together this upcoming year.
1: Um, who was I going to say? So we did the main line I wanted to do. Uh, what about – oh, this is what you're we going to say – what about breaking up the top line?
0: I am interested in that. I I definitely think
1: that I'm interested in that. Do you want to elaborate a little bit? Well, I think, in my opinion, you should keep Tage and Skinner. It's it's tough because I guess what people would say is, yeah, Tage and Skinner were scoring at the beginning of the year, but they became a fully uh, 180 feet, 200 foot good line with Tuck. Mm-hmm. Which I get. I get the point of that. Uh, and I also agree with our friend Kevin at NT Rider, who said that we, what would they really need to make the top two lines is a second Tuck. Mm-hmm. That would be helpful. But you don't have that. So do you try to make this, like, leave the first line, or if you want to call it the second line, whatever, the Tage Skinner combination, leave it together because Tage really did help reju- rejuvenate Skinner. Tage was great down the middle. Don't mess with that. But maybe move Tuck and have him play with Cousins. Mm-hmm. And try to help uh, maybe cousins become a top six guy in the NHL. Now, obviously those aren't lines. Those are two two person pairings. But I think the point is you can move different guys in yeah. there in and out. like who knows if, if they want to move Quinn up the lineup if there's injuries or whatever. There's just a, there's a bunch of things you can do with those still.
0: I agree. Yeah, I, I'm very, I, I think to start the year that they they will start off with that line just because it's a proven commodity. It's what they know they had success with it all throughout last year. But I, I'm with you, Taylor. I think that there's a lot of value in that. And I think it goes either way. You know, I, I could personally see benefits to moving either one of those wingers with Cousins because from, you know, you, you move Skinner with Cousins, for example. And I think that Those profiles kind of match up really well. Where with Skinner, where he's good in front of and around the net, he's a great finisher. Cousins is all about, you know, he's good with zone entries and carrying the puck through the zone, playing with speed, barreling through, like clearing lanes for guys. And I think that those two kind of styles of play would play off of each other really well. And I think just kind of, again, like having just that bona fide scoring presence next to Cousins is going to be really solid for setting him up for success. And then, you know, on the other side of it, like you said, with, with with Tuck, you move him down and it's like, well, Jesus, look what he did for Tage. Why don't you see what's there, if, if he could do something similar for, for Cousins where you just have these two bigger power forward types playing with each other. And then, you know, do you put, like, Olafson on the other wing there? Or, God, because that's the really the big thing that, you know, in terms of mixing this up, in our ideal fantasy land scenario, you, you keep that third line in place of Asplund, Krebs, and Quinn. Now, I do think that they're going to give Quinn opportunities throughout the year to move up the lineup depending on how he's playing. Same could be said even depending on injuries for a guy like J.J. Paterka, for example. But say you you have that kind of core four up top where it is, say the pairing for the sake of argument is Tage and Tuck. And then Skinner and Cousins. Those other two spots are going to be filled by Casey Middlestat and Victor Olafson. The question is going to be who goes where to maximize those guys. Because the big question with that, we know what Victor Olafson is. I don't think anybody thinks that there's another gear there for Olafson. Maybe no. if he like drastically improved his like skating or passing ability or something. But you know what you have there, like. The guy is a... Yeah, he's 26. He's 26. Yeah. He's a dynamo shooter, though. He's got to be in like the top 10% of the league in terms of the his shooting talent. But you know what's there. Middlestad is the biggest wild card of the bunch because of the fact that we do not know what kind of player we're going to see. You have a full healthy offseason for him now coming up into the season after he's been plagued by injuries. You know, it's it was like every time we would feel like we would see him really starting to put it together and come together, it was just, there, you know, it was the end of the year two years ago, and then the injuries happened when next year he was the one who was supposed to kind of have like the Tage-like leap last year, and what kind of guy are we going to see there? Because I think that with Middlestat, because you have a little bit more offensive creativity there than you have with Olofsson... If, that, if the guy, as you had said last episode, if the guy from the end of two years ago shows up at the start of camp and he builds off of that level of play, that's you're not going to be having to worry about him as much being a defensive liability if you know that you're going to be getting some of the offensive production and creativity and, and generally speaking too, just confidence out of him. The guy has all of the stick handling talent in the world. He's got really great shooting talent as well. Very underrated shot, which was something that you and I had talked about a lot last se- last season. So if you are for example though able to have him, you know, really step into his own with this kind of, you know, a facilitator type that's not afraid to shoot because that's been a big problem with him is just him just not wanting to shoot or not being aggressive enough in his shooting and his shot selection, I should say you know a first line of if if they try to run with like Casey on the left Tage in the middle Tuck on the right or you put Casey on his on on the right hand side with with Tage and Skinner I think that that's a very very interesting combo there and then that leaves you with some variation of Olafson with Cousins and again either either Skinner or Tuck I mean Olafson has the ability to play either side so you do have flexibility there but it's just going to be fascinating to me. So while we're talking about this, too, with pairings, and we're talking about Middlestat, Taylor, who do you think, if you could take any guy on the roster right now, assuming Middlestat is going to be playing on the wing, who is your guy that you would like to see playing with Middlestat? If you have two in mind, that's great. But even just, like, one guy that you think really makes sense to unlock Casey this year.
1: Man, I have no idea. Right? It's a tough question. Because... We don't know that he actually is very reliable on either end of the ice right mm-hmm. now. So, like, normally I'd be like, okay, young-ish guy, definitely is good in his own zone. You want to support someone who's going to create offense, stick him with Asplund, which is what I, in the past, I would have said Johan Larsson. But Asplund, sure. But, I don't know. Maybe that's an offensive, uh, like, dead zone if you put those two together. It could be. Well, what, all right, let me throw this one at you then,
0: and... I, I think a lot of this remains to be seen in terms of how Quinn's defensive game is going to translate to the NHL level, but what if what if they rolled with Asplund, Krebs, and Middlestap as your third line, and then you have Quinn as the flex one that you can really put between either of the lines? I don't think that they start Quinn off on the first line under any circumstance this year, but what if they start him with Cousins, for example?
1: Start Quinn with Cousins? Yeah. Well, Quinn with Cousins is interesting. Uh in, so how are you saying how that would affect middlestat i guess both i mean really
0: yeah like if i can i guess kind of both i'm bringing that up for like if you were to move middlestat into more of a um the third line role where you have some of the reliable defensive cover of Asplund, because with cousins i think the thing too there is that again like we all feel as though he's going to translate and turn out to be this great two-way player but The on ice metrics have not fully been there for him quite yet on the defensive side of things, in terms of like on a consistent basis. And so, would you rather then, I guess, you know, would you rather have Middlestep be with a proven defensive commodity and give Quinn and Krebs or uh, Quinn and, and Cousins the, you know, the ability to
1: run together or. Yeah. I would I would want to see. Quinn. I'm more concerned about what Quinn does than Middlestad. Okay. Like I know they kind of have to make a decision at Middlestad soon, so that makes it important.
0: But I mean, this is the year. Like it, I I feel like if if he doesn't show out this year, then
1: he's not a part of their plans. We'll see you later. Yeah, like he has a good shot. Olafson has a good shot. I don't think those guys should probably play together. Maybe cousins between those two. Does that make any sense? Between Middlestad and Olafson. Yeah. No.
0: It's the that's, defense. On that's a that defensive
1: nightmare. Just scares the hell out of me. You know what? I don't. Now that we're talking more about this, I don't love the middle six this year. Uh, yeah, no, I. Middlestadt. That's interesting. I had not really thought about where he fits in at all. All right. What about this? How do you? How
0: about you move Olsson to the third line? Asplund, Krebs, Olsson, and then go like top line. Maybe you do Tage between. God, uh Skinner and in, in middle stat and then you go who
1: passes on that line?
0: Middle stat probably and then you go Quinn Cousins in the middle tuck.
1: Huh? See I like the Quinn Cousins tuck line. That almost feels like uh the perfect uh if you're going to move tuck I would do it that way. Mhm. I don't know what that does for the bottom 6 though. Is that, then you could stick with Asplund, so who did you say, like Quinn, Cousins, Tuck? Quinn, Cousins, Tuck. And then you'd have Asplund, Krebs, and? Olofsson. Olofsson, and then a fourth line with Middlestad on it? No,
0: Middlestad's on the first line in that scenario. Oh, okay, well, this is. With Skinner and Tage. Hmm. And again, this is okay, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, obviously just together. for the sake of breaking up the lines yeah. and and the talent across the top nine. Because then your sense. fourth line is gonna be set in stone. It's gonna be some variation. Uh, it's probably gonna end up being Sheen in the middle with Oppozo and Gergensen's on the wings. Unless somebody beats out Sheen for the fourth line center well, spot. Well,
1: Hinostroza, where's he gonna be?
0: Thirteen. He's gotta be. They're not gonna sit Gergenson's or Oppozo, and Henestrosa doesn't play center.
1: That's a good point. Why do they re sign him?
0: Fuck if I know, man. <laughs> so
1: where is Bjork? Is he just As permanent? of the press
0: box? God Almighty. What did they? I, I don't know. Do they try Gergensen's at center again? I mean, and then that the make makes Sheehan expendable to to Rochester, and then you run
1: Gergensen's. Bjork or Hina Stroza. Hina with, is too good to be the thirteen, in my opinion.
0: I agree, but where do you put him? Who do you put him ahead of in the top nine? I don't think anybody.
1: No 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 way, no way. I'm saying you tried the Gergensons thing. You don't need to you don't need to create a roster stuff. In for, a perfect world, sure. I agree with you, but it's like
0: it, it just it it still to this day does not make any sense that they resigned him back. I get it for the vibes and keeping the locker room intact, but like where does this guy fit on this roster when Henestrosa is probably like a third line guy I would say on a, on any team but he's like you said he's not a 13 and
1: where is he gonna like I haven't really thought uh, about it yet I uh, to be honest the position thing didn't really cross my mind I kind of assumed he'd be a fourth liner and Sheehan seems so expendable that man I really don't know what they're gonna do it's so wild they're just they're walking into this with 14 guys plus Paterka who might just be good enough to be in the NHL. I don't know if that's determined yet, but who knows? And that's that's kind of we talked about at the beginning of summer. Like, hey, what are they going to do? And we both assumed either Middlestad trade or Bjork's gone or both in a possible Olofsson trade in there too. But, man, this really got me thinking about the roster for the first time. I know, man. Not the roster, but like the the line construction, which, God, God bless you, Donnie. I don't I don't envy this at all. This is a, a mess.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you have any other combinations that are coming to mind that you're intrigued by? I think one for Rochester that we could just bring up that I think poses a lot of potential excitement is Coolidge and Rosine together.
1: Yeah, we saw last year that Rochester succeeded when they put their best players or best prospects all in one line. That was Mm -hmm. a really successful line for a little while. Unfortunately, it had to be broken up because Krebs had to go to the NHL, but yeah, that's I'm really interested in that, see how those guys play off each other. They have a lot of
0: flexibility in Rochester this year, because even if you did start off where you load up the first line, like let's say it's Rosine, Coolidge, and Paterka on your first line, then your second line, you're still, if you're trying to get a prospect down there to work with, you still have Kisikov there, Tyson mm. Kozak, mm. you have some of the older prospects in uh, Linus Weisbach. You have Brandon Biro, You have Brett Murray. You have um, my cousin
1: Sean Malone.
0: Sean Malone. You have uh, Cedarquist is going to be there this year.
1: They do have a lot forward. They right? have
0: a lot of. Forwards I'm going to put it down, down right now. There.
1: Rochester is going to be good this year. I would agree. I don't really watch the AHL, but I'm saying it right now. I really Bold. like UPL is going to finally be good. They signed basically an entire new defense. Yep. Lucas
0: Rusek too is another one I'm thinking of now. Yeah,
1: Larry Pilots going to be there probably. Yep. Might send our... How about Pilot Man? Is he gonna play his way into a into the sixth spot? You think? Well, I'm thinking about it now. Uh, Darlene, Samuelson first pairing. Mm-hmm. Second pairing of Lipchushkin and Bryson. No, Power and Yoki Haru. Power Yoki Haru and then, and, Koei, then Koei, Chushkin, and Bryson. Right. So, oh, so Yoki Haru, you, you're thinking would be the odd, odd man out here?
0: Not necessarily. I mean,
1: he can hang on the <sighs> box. Well,
0: Bryson can play on the right side, which is like they, like he could play either side. I don't know, man. I mean, again, this goes back to uh, the biggest thing that I'm wondering within training camp and the preseason and everything is, are they serious about letting the best guy win a job? Because what if in two weeks they are looking looking at the roster right now and they're like, damn, Pilot earned this spot playing as the number five or like your third pairing left defenseman over Bryson? Yeah. You know, I mean... Is Fitzgerald gonna be the seventh defenseman, or is that gonna be Pilot potentially? Um, could it be both? I mean, it's interesting. I Pilot has has looked good.
1: Yeah, so I I think it's worth noting we're all over the place. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Pilot has been like a uh, a long time pro. Mm-hmm. Like the Sabers weren't interested in him three years ago for whatever reason. Two years ago, whatever that was, just no interest in playing him, even though he was. <laughs> Pretty clearly better than multiple guys yeah. they were playing. So I The don't,
0: majority of the guys they were playing.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it's a different coaching staff now, so hopefully that's, the attitude's changed. But I wonder if it's just easy for Granado to look at the top six and be like, these are my six NHL guys, even though Yoki Haru was not good last year. No. At all. No. Well,
0: I think that this leads into the next part of our discussion here, where we're saying that there's a lot of guys in the top nine. There's a lot of guys coming up through the system. And, and you one, know what
1: those guys are doing? What are they doing? They're using DraftKings. Damn right. Good <laughs> save. The NFL action is in full swings here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 in any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets when they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now for every leg you can sorry, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to one hundred percent. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the hockey podcast network to get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins when you place a five dollar bet on any football game. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. Folks, we also have a second sponsor. Shout out Ray J. That's right. Yep, so listen, lately I've been listening to a lot of podcasts to get myself ready for the NHL season. And it's been great. One reason it's been so great to listen to these fantastic podcasts, such as Straight Up Savers, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Plus, they have tremendous features, such as three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, and awareness mode. From a personal standpoint, you know, I was at the gym yesterday, late night mm. workout, trying to get it done before so I could go home and see Aaron Judge at his 61st home run, which he did. So you know what I was listening to? Mm. I was listening to a great podcast called Blocked Party with... My Raycon earbuds using wow. all their customizable sound profiles. So go to buyraycon.com today and use code THPN to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code THPN15. Sorry, THPN15 is the code. Buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code THPN15. So that's the ads.
0: Wow. Let's talk I about love them. your soft gel tips, Taylor.
1: My soft gel tips? <laughs> I'm a big fan. I'm always talking about soft gel mm, tips.
0: Aren't we all? All right, well, before the ad, my point that I was making is, is we're talking about the top nine, the construction, how it feels like there's maybe just like one or two guys too many, seem to be even said for the
1: defensive pairings.
0: You know what a great way- this Is this a
1: freaking party in college, but you, there's you, one guy too many? One guy
0: too many. You, you know what's a great way to remedy this problem?
1: Well, we don't really do human sex trading for anymore. a forty
0: goal score, Taylor. <laughs> that is—that's think... what you were going for. Sorry, I yeah, didn't mean to. No, I'm all about that. I didn't mean to misdirect anybody there.
1: Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> so is it wild too that he's available at all?
0: Yes, wholeheartedly. To be completely honest, too, I wish that the Sabers this would have came out like three months ago, and then the Sabers do a mega package and get him and Ottinger here before Ottinger who resigned. Because they also were taking
1: their time with him, too. Isn't, didn't they give Ottinger a pretty short-term deal, yeah, too? Yeah,
0: three years, I think.
1: Mm.
0: It is insane that they... I, I would love to know. I haven't seen anything in regards to like the, the contract details there. But, my God, Dallas, what are you doing here? You have horrible contracts right now and Sagan and Ben. Yeah, This is the opportunity to lock up the core piece of their the, the future of this team. And again like I know Dallas is in a uh, interesting cap situation and everything like that but man you gotta you gotta get it done here Robertson for those who are unfamiliar, he's a 63 left winger he had his best season of his career last year in which he scored 41 goals 38 points for set or 38 assists for 79 points in 74 games. The year prior to that, showing again that this wasn't a fluke in his rookie year, he put up 17 goals and 28 assists in four, or for 45 points in 51 games. So the two years that this guy has had a taste of NHL action, he either has been flirting around a point per game, which was what he was in his rookie year, and exceeding it last year in his age 22 season, Taylor. 79 points As a 22-year-old winger. Dallas is obviously, you know, they have some talent on that team, but Robertson was a driving force for them having success last year. They are not a
1: playoff team without him. No. That's for sure.
0: Absolutely not. Um, And so, again, like, we've been saying it, I don't need to rehash it a ton, but like, not all of these guys are going to be able to be here. Not everybody who's even on the roster right now is going to be able to be here after this year because of the other youth that you have coming up. Like, if Savoy and Coolidge are ready at the end of this year and are showing it, they're going to make their way onto this team next year.
1: They are just going to push Andres Bjork straight into lake. Erie. So
0: long, Anders.
1: Yep. So, I. what about this? As a, as a a Before we get into it, mm. on why this is a good idea, what if Dallas doesn't want to shop them? Mm-hmm. And here's an option. They sign him for a reasonable deal, and that's eight years, 90 million. I think that's actually pretty reasonable. Not a long track record, but that deal could look like a bargain mm-hmm. uh, with the cap going up in two years. So they can't do that exactly right now because they would go over the cap. Solution mm-hmm. they trade. Sorry, they dump Joe Pavelski off to the Sabres. D- yeah, right. One year left. There's no way. Okay, well, how else are they going to make it work no with the
0: cap? no way. All
1: right, we'll take Rupinz. Future Hall of Famer. Future
0: Hall of Famer. No. I can look at their cap situation I right now. I don't. But Pavelski, though, they're not. But that's the thing, though, is that Dallas, given their situation.
1: Are they in win-now mode?
0: Yes. Wholeheartedly. Should whether they're they good enough. Well, that is a completely different question. Yeah, they should be. Whether they should be or whether they are actually ready to be. Is a very, very different thing whether or as compared to whether they are or not. And they very clearly are. Like they're gonna try and squeeze every last cent that they can out of Ben and Sagan with those contracts. You also have Ryan Suter there right now. You're trying to again set up guys like Ottinger and Heiskinen and Hints and, and their other youth, you know, up for success. And I, I absolutely think that. They're going to try and win now and will probably be like a meddling team that maybe sneaks in with one of the wild card spots, I would say.
1: Or misses the playoffs.
0: It's or that. That's, I mean, that's fair I'm too. Looking at
1: their roster right now. Another, but are opinion.
0: you confident enough in the Pacific, though, that a team would actually be able to, that a team will come out of the Pacific in one of those wild card spots?
1: Well, I think that's a great question, actually, now, because you look at. The playoffs last year, and you stick Vegas back in the playoffs, which Mm -hmm. they probably will be. Maybe. Good Lord. Who knows what's going on with their goaltending? True. Calgary might fall out.
0: I think that they stay. I think Calgary ends up being like the three.
1: Yeah. But they're not a guarantee like they were. They weren't a guarantee going into last year. They're not.
0: But, but, I mean, you lose Goudreau. And, obviously, Goudreau is like a very, very hard player to replace, like a 100-point guy. But then you bring in... You know, Kadri and Huberdeau, you improve the blue line. They oh, and you lose Matt Kachuk, though, yeah, too. Yeah, the shit, They man. lost two 100 point Right, right. But then you bring in Mackenzie Weger to help out on your blue line there, too. I mean, and you still have Markstrom there. I, I think Calgary is going to be good, a If he's good, they'll probably make team. the playoffs.
1: And then Edmonton will make it. Edmonton should make it. Yeah.
0: Uh, and you never know with L.A. Anaheim's not there yet, obviously. Seattle's not there yet. Um, Arizona. Yeah. <laughs>
1: In San Jose. They're in the
0: Central now, actually. Aren't they? Right? Didn't Arizona move oh, to the Central? Oh, that's right. But even, yeah, in San Jose, too. Which I, for the life of me, cannot understand people who are ragging on their new jerseys. I think the all teal look is sick. I, I think it looks them, so good. Here, I will I bet that's good. get the live reaction from Taylor right now. And their whites are really clean, too. But, like, I really like the all teal look. Um,
1: so, looking at the Dallas cap figures right now. Uh, here's the thing, they are less. They have less than seven million dollars of room. Jesus. So, anything over seven million from Robertson means they need to drop some money. So they don't have to get rid. Of, now that I look at it, the Pavelski thing. They don't have to get rid of as much money as I thought. So they will not be dropping him. Also, he had eighty-one points last year. So I I think they would move heaven and earth to keep him. But some guys that could theoretically, I mean, uh, they just could, they just kind of uh, they have a lot of uh, long-term commitment to erotic Fop. So they probably won't want to do that. Rupin's is an RFA, so they probably don't want to do that. Uh, Kiviranta doesn't make enough money. They just got Mason Marchment. This is a, a, not an easy thing. If, I mean, if this guy signs for 10 million or more, they're going to have to get rid of that kind of money. They, do they want to get rid of Gurionov? No, probably not. Do they want to get rid of Ryan Suter? Uh, too bad, no one wants him. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. This is it, it's kind of an interesting thing. Like, what what are they actually going to do?
0: Mhm. Also here i'll get a better one of the
1: oh yeah i think pretty... that looks sharp yeah that's pretty sharp
0: i'm a big fan of the monochromatic stuff i think that always who looks doesn't really like good it? i've been seeing people on twitter which of course oh, you know the, the depths of hell but there have been people who have been saying that they aren't a fan but i think it looks super sharp super super super
1: sharp so well cat friendly has a different calculation than spot track but we trust cat friendly more right yeah Saying that they only have six point three million in Okay. Space, which would mean that if he signed for ten million, they have to drop three point seven million. Hmm. Which, or I'm looking at this correctly, yeah. So okay, the difference is they correctly already have Qdoban on injured reserve, right? Okay. So okay, so yeah, so that yeah they have to drop someone of significance in that case. So this I'm just saying if they want to drop someone and attach a pick, the Sabers are here. Not JB Ben, go to hell. Not Taylor Sagan. No. Here. So.
0: So what would a a deal for Robertson look like, I think, is the big question that everybody's wondering. Yeah, it's the more important question. Yeah, so I I think as a starting point, you're probably looking at, I don't think they would do this year, but I think they would do, to make it unprotected, like a 2024 first-rounder, unprotected. Because if you do 2023, the Sabres, there's there's a 0% chance that anybody would be... Any team that is not a legit bona fide competitor is trading an unprotected 2023 pit first rounder. Yeah. So I would say unprotected 2024 first. Probably either Coolidge or um, One of the first rounders from this year. Um, you're looking at probably like uh, another high end prospect within that. Um maybe somebody like Rosine that's again like of a of a first round equivalence. you're probably looking at a roster player like if you can you know if they want like a a proven commodity back maybe Olafson comes into play there um and then maybe you're looking at another like Second maybe maybe you, maybe you do one or two of your uh three seconds in 2023 it's a big price but again a 23-year-old, 40-goal-scoring winger does not come around or become available very often.
1: No, especially a play-driving one. Right. He's Yeah, he's come out of the scene so fast, too. I don't right. believe he was that high of a draft pick, Uh, but he came up—I He. I think he became a big deal during the COVID weird season, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, two seasons ago, the 56-game right. season. Right. And all of a sudden, he was challenging for—seemingly challenging for Rookie of the Year. Yeah. And it was like, oh my god, is this guy actually going to win Rookie of the Year? No, it turned out. He finished second. Yeah. But he was... Sick. Even, yes, he was a great rookie, great second half of that season, and then was even better this year. And all of a sudden was Dallas's best player Yep, on a, a team that... They only barely made the playoffs, but they barely made the playoffs because of him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'd be talking about them being in super hell with yeah. two guys making combined $18 million or whatever it yep. is. So he's a guy that you they absolutely have to sign him and if they don't and if they're really going to stupidly like make him available because he won't sign yeah i think the sabers do that and the sabers do that under the condition he signed for seven years oh a hundred percent if it has to be like seven by eleven so be it people are going to say they're spending a lot of money on non-centers mm-hmm. but guess what though you're still going to have the assets to go out and acquire that center too though true
0: let me put this out there to you as i think a nice way to wrap up Not only this topic, but just the conversation as a whole for this episode. I think, aside from like the development and everything like that of the guys, I think the biggest storyline for this Sabres season, assuming again that they are a year away from being a legit competitor or maybe a year away from taking that big swing move, this year is going to show us who is expendable on this team more than maybe any other season in recent memory. Because... It's going to be the time now where it's, you know, if it, this core is now, it's going to be their their second year, some like their third year of being together. I think that that is going to be a major, major thing to watch this year is who they feel like is definitively going to be a part of the plans and who they aren't all the way sold on because, again, like it's coming. Like it, it may not be Robertson, but I'm telling you this time next year, Assuming, again, that the wheels don't fall off and maybe it's Bedard, but there is going to be a very, very shiny new toy that Sabres fans are going to be able to, to marvel at going into next season. I think that they next year is the is the big game hunting year. I, with the RFAs that are available, the way that just generally speaking, like the trend of, of younger guys approaching contracts coming out of their ELC or coming out of bridge deals – I think we're gonna to continue to see a lot of these stalemates that are gonna get closer and closer into the season starting, and every year it feels like there's a couple of them. You know, I mean, just thinking back, like Reinhardt was that prior. There's the, of course, the whole William Nylander fiasco. It's Robertson now. Risto. Risto, right all those superstars Um, (laughs) all
1: the stars are here oh yes
0: (laughs) the meme of the (laughs) where it's all of like the military people and then it's just the guy in the clown suit just um but (laughs) that that is the big thing that i'm going to be looking at because again like savoy and Coolidge, maybe they need another year but I think the odds are probably going to be better that they don't need another one. And an already crowded top nine is going to get even more crowded. We're, we're going to find out who's who's going to be around. Because I think that they're honestly probably... Not only because they're ready to take this step, but I think in a way... I don't want to say that they're going to be pressured to, but like they're, they're going to be forced into making a decision on this. You can't have... This many guys, and with Savoy, like if Savoy is ready next year, Rochester's not an option still.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, I think look at it this way, they have 14 guys, not including Paterka. 14 guys. How many can realistically not, will not be here next year?
0: Well, th- all right. After that. Skinner, definitely. Tage, definitely. Well, I was thinking
1: easier to say who's not going to be here.
0: But I, but I was going to say, though, I think if you definitively say who is going to be here, that well, gives who, you the idea of how who, many spots will be available. Who though.
1: definitively won't be here? Which is basically probably Heneströmer, the and yeah, and York. <laughs> so it's still eleven guys, right? Is there yeah. anyone who's uh, like Oposo, If he's the captain, they'll resign him for small money. Yeah, and then it's like, who do you get rid of? Gergensen mm-hmm. might be a free agent? Is, is
0: is Krebs the guy that gets moved
1: in a deal for a bigger player? If you're if you're doing a deal, then Krebs is definitely an option.
0: Paterka, I mean, think of it. So to so, so the inverse of that, like what I was saying. Definitely 2023-2024 forwards. Skinner, Tage, Tuck. Cousins. Quinn. I mean, if he's not, tra- same thing, not traded, Paterka. Yeah. There's six. <laughs> Asplund. Yeah. Absolutely, Krebs. I think. Krebs. Eight. Savoy.
1: Savoy would be nine. Nine.
0: Coolidge, That's maybe. Ten. 10. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean... That's that's 10 guys right there that it's just... It, and that's excluding Middlestad and Olofsson that you have RFA... Well, Olofsson is signed for two years and Middlestad is going to be an RFA. And so you have those rights there. And so if you include them, that's 13 guys off the bat that that you are going to have to fit into nine. So there's four, four names there. Maybe Coolidge isn't ready to come up after one year. That's fine. Maybe Savoy... I have a hard time thinking he's not going to be ready after this year, but maybe for the sake of it, we say he goes back. That still puts you at 11 guys, or 11, 12 guys, 10, 11, 12 guys potentially that you're going to have to figure out what your top nine is going to look like. Moves are going to have to be made. And again, I think it's just, it's it's colliding on this perfect crash course of you have to figure out who's expendable and who's going to be a part of the (laughs) core moving forward. And then next year... Big class for RFAs, big class for the ability to maybe trade for a young player, a young impact guy. And then again, though, Taylor, who knows? Maybe we will just get some lottery luck, get Connor Bedard, and we won't have to worry about anything ever again.
1: Yeah, no, classic. I think that's probably the better no, plan. If I uh, have learned anything from drafting a generational player first overall named Connor, it's that your franchise is set forever, Yeah, nothing bad ever happens, and you probably win the cup within three years.
0: I will say that, and obviously I know you're fucking around. The, <laughs> the situation that Bedard would be walking into here significantly different than what McDavid was walking into in Edmonton.
1: Yeah, no, they tried to put McDavid with a big guy, quote unquote, in Zach Cassian, but Bedard could play with a real big guy in Tage. Now, yeah. that would only be on the power play, I'm guessing. Right. But or maybe uh, now, nah, whatever, just in the power play. Yeah. Hey, second line center Tage'd be cool though. And then he I to like would move up and be the second line center. And then Tage is your third line guy. Mm. And now all of a sudden you're being compared to like the 80s Oilers, but like more handsome.
0: Better hair for sure.
1: Better hair, 100%.
0: Okay, so no pressure or anything. But like pretty much if we win the lottery, our trajectory is 80s Oilers.
1: Yeah, except... Maybe
0: with a little hint of like the mid-80s uh, Islanders in there too, you know.
1: Well, I want to say our uh, oil owner is not going to lose a bunch of money and have to sell off the best player. No. In that case, it's going to be different. Okay. <laughs>
0: Good. Good. All right. Well, let, let's hope for that. I really like I know it is the most minuscule of chances that it happens, but like I'm I'm going to be a nervous wreck uh, like leading up to draft lottery night next year cuz again, I think the Sabers can take a real step and if they end up being that like 500-ish team that's like sticking around when it gets into like March and everything. Amazing. Great. But even if they aren't that, there's a very real possibility that we could see a lot of these guys take a step, but maybe goaltending doesn't work out, or maybe there's not enough uh, depth scoring or depth on defense, whatever, that that prevents them from really taking a leap. I I think that you could still see some tangible improvements with this team and they end up worse in the standings than they were last year just because of the nature of the teams around them who are maybe, again, like the, the Band-Aid teams, we'll, for lack of a better way of putting it, Detroit, Ottawa, all them. There's just not enough teams that I can definitively say the Sabres are going to be better than. I think, what would we say, like four? Maybe five? Yeah. If you're sitting there with the fifth-best lottery odds going into next year, Bedard is a very real option. And even if it's not Bedard, and say you get a little bit of luck, and you move up to third overall, and you can get Adam Fantilli, dude, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Like, they're, they're going to be... Fantilli. I know. But, like, really, though, like, if you can walk away... Mishkov is a winger, which would be amazing, but also Mishkov isn't going to be here for probably... He's not going to come over to North America for probably, like, three years after he's drafted, maybe even a little bit more. Who knows? Wait, why, why? His uh, KHL contract. Oh, really? Yep. I was reading a profile on him in The Athletic over the summer, and I'm pretty sure he is contractually obligated and has to stay there and wants to stay there. for. He wants to come to the NHL at some point, but for development purposes, he wants to stay in KHL and see through his, his contract there, which I, I think runs to 2026, 20, potentially, maybe 27,
1: Ooh, um, oh. which is tough. That sucks. No way. Which
0: is yeah. tough, but it's like oh, the, if you – Actually, if you were that would guy- be a decent deal. Well, because then the ELC kicks in and it's like a Kaprizov type of thing where it's yeah. just like this guy or even Tarasenko for that matter where the guy just kind of like shows up when you're already kind of competing a little bit and it's like, holy shit, we have this stud.
1: Yeah, and also like you get to pay him uh, that money, like not great money when he's like 21 to 23 and don't have to really pay him until he's 24. Exactly. Right? As opposed to like a normal guy have his talents, which would be like He'd get paid at twenty-one. Interesting. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though, the Sabres uh, are gonna have like the thirteenth pick because they're gonna be pretty good, I think. And I think uh it won't matter uh which bozo team got Alex Debrink or who got thirty eight year old David Perry. <laughs> That's fair.
0: That's no, fair. No, the, the
1: wings should be they should be better than they were last year, and maybe yep. that leads to them being better than the Sabres, but this really comes down to to me, like, is Comrie good? Yeah. Comries fine. They should be fine and compete with those teams. If he's not fine, which is a possibility, then yeah, I don't know. I guess they're yeah. That's a, he
0: doesn't even have to be good. Like that's
1: yeah. Just be fine. Just just get a nice nine oh eight for us.
0: <laughs> I, I'd like a nine ten or above, but like I know that's probably wow. asking a lot this
1: guy picky picky i know I... After we just had a, a guy we had like what 898 last year in <laughs> and anderson that's fair guy that's like thank god be- <laughs> that not-
0: Beckers can't be choosers no that is that's definitely fair but it, hey like i said but it, again like top five next year in general like it's really good but if you can get like fantilly at three for your like number one center of the future oh baby watch out it's gonna be good but Again, it doesn't matter because we're just going to end up winning the lottery and getting Connor Bedard anyway. So it's okay. There's nothing to worry about. I'm fine. We're fine. We're great. It's okay. We're going to we're going to look back this time next year and be laughing about the fact that we're wondering how Casey middlestat's going to fit into the fold cuz we yeah. have first line center Connor fucking Bedard.
1: <laughs> Man, what's going to happen to Casey middlestat then? Isn't he like good at golf?
0: He is, maybe he goes on the tour, yeah, there's like a Tony Romo type of thing,
1: he goes to the l i v tour though, <laughs> okay, yeah, makes a lot of money there you go, yeah, I can
0: respect that, yeah, sure, I can't, but like yeah <laughs> I can. <laughs> all right Taylor any last thoughts Ziggy is getting impatient with us here do you have any last thoughts uh before we close out it's nice to record in person with you today
1: yeah it is nice uh I don't know I was gonna do something in lieu of a recommendation but now I don't remember what it is so I will say oh what's my recommendation you know what's a good movie I watched recently what's that world's end
0: world's end I don't know if I know that Edgar Wright
1: movie it is the end of the Cornetto trilogy with Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Froster in it. And man, it it some people say it's the best of the trilogy. I would say it's the least rewatchable. Those other two are very rewatchable. Mm-hmm. But it's really good. And it's really... Uh, what they try to do with uh, the two main characters, I think, is higher level than what they did in the past movies. It's not as funny, but it's still pretty funny. Uh, it's a great movie. I think it was totally, totally underrated when it came out in 2013. Which was a pretty bad year for movies, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So... Pretty bad summer for movies, I should say. So anyway, uh, at world, or The World's End, I should say. At World's End is a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Uh, and it's not great. Oh, okay. of The World's End.
0: Oh, so you're not recommending a Pirates of Caribbean, the Caribbean no, movie? No, I'm,
1: I'm recommending The World's End. Okay. The, was, the I, Edgar Wright movie. I World's was
0: so confused. Movie. I was like, he did a Pirates of the Caribbean movie? What?
1: <laughs> yeah. I ex- no, it's not At World's End. The World's End, folks. Great movie. 2013. Edgar Wright great director and if you've seen *Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz like a lot of people have uh you might also enjoy the end of that trilogy
0: okay very nice i'm gonna go with a song i recommended this guy this artist uh was album i recommended maybe like a month ago or so but a song of his from his prior album has been stuck in my head like incessantly for the past two weeks take me home by vince staples again vince staples is one of my favorite rappers he his new album that he put out earlier this year was was great but uh even the one prior was absolutely fantastic like his last two albums it's just again he's an artist that just like gets better as he as he keeps going um, and so it's off of his self, his self-titled album. Uh, again, the song is called Take Me Home. Really, really cool. Kind of like sway R and and B vibes with like his rapping going over it and a really catchy hook. So highly recommend that if you're looking for, uh, for a new song to get stuck in your head for the next couple of weeks until, or the next couple of days until we have our next recommendations. All right. Well, Taylor, Ziggy, it has been a pleasure to record with you both. This is a really picturesque moment that I'm gonna take a photo of right now and I will put out on Twitter tomorrow so that oh, that's a great one. Wow. All right, you can reference this tomorrow, everybody once we once we pub- once we post the episode online. But with that being said, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabers, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Make sure you're going and checking out all of our fellow shows. And on top of that, follow them on social media. Again, the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network. Make sure you're also following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us, Straight Up Sabers, and again, your streaming platform that you're currently using to listen to this episode of Straight Straight up savers, leave us a nice review. We would very, very much appreciate it. Any kind of rating, whatever you can do, it would mean the world to us. Last but not least, our sponsors. First, we have DraftKings. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And secondly, Our boy Ray J. Ray J, we love you. We're excited to chill at a Sabres game this year. We're right now working on what game we're going to go to. We think he wants to go to the Eichel game when he comes back. So should be a great time. Can't wait to catch a hockey game with Ray J. But make sure you're checking out those Raycon earbuds. Again, take advantage of the deal there. Check them out. The highest audio quality you can imagine. It's like I never see Taylor without them anymore at this point. (laughs) Sure,
1: I do wear them everywhere.
0: Everywhere, all the time. So again everybody we'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday. This is Ben, Straight Up Sabres.